Welcome to Policy Pod, P-O-R-F podcast. The Ideas Factory is an exclusive series by ORF that delves into the big geopolitical events that affect India and the world. Ideas Factory joining me is Professor Harsh Pant. We look at the weeks gone by, it has been pretty eventful um, and uh, very significant. Uh, we will look at the passing away of Queen Elizabeth II and what it means for Britain, but we will also look at the SEO summit that took place amidst the Ukraine-Russia offensive and what does it really signify. Uh, all attention was focused really on the SEO summit and especially on the bilaterals that took place on the sidelines. There was also a very important visit by Sheikh Hasina to India, what does that mean for India and Bangladesh? So we will look at all of these on this episode of the Ideas Factory. But if I may begin by uh, your comments on the SEO summit that took place, Hajj. Uh, the SEO summit took place and the entire international attention was this time focused on it. It was very high profile because it was taking place during a time when the Russia-Ukraine offensive is at its peak. And in fact, Russia is kind of not in a very good situation looking at the Ukrainian counteroffensive. There were, of course, new agreements. There were talks of regional engagement and broadening of the scope. But a lot of attention was specially focused on the bilaterals that took place on the sidelines, especially Prime Minister Modi meeting President Putin and his remark, which was lapped up by the Western media when he spoke about the end of the era of war. What does that signify? And um, does it also mean that the neutrality that India was maintaining is not there anymore? And for the first time, India really came out openly and spoke about the war. What are your comments on it? Uh, thanks, Nagma. You know, it's uh, <clears throat> the SEO summit was certainly uh, uh, was being watched very, very carefully across the world. Not because of the SEO per se, you know, SEO itself uh, as a platform, uh, which has, you know, which is which is continues to struggle with its own challenges. But I think with the with the bilaterals uh, that 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 seemingly were were being looked at with great degree of interest, both uh, Xi Jinping for the first time coming out after long and visiting um, uh, you know uh, Samarkand for the summit, meeting uh, uh, the Russian President Putin, uh, and of course Prime Minister Modi also meeting Mr. Putin. So I think there was a lot of uh, interest in in what may transpire there, and uh, as it happened. Uh, I think the bilaterals did disappoint because uh, apart from all the you know the nice things that the Samarkand Declaration talked about, ironically it talked about good neighborliness and, and friendly uh, relations with countries. How can SEO play a role? Uh, but ultimately, it boiled down to two bilaterals: one with uh, one of and both the of Russian president, one with Mr. Put, uh, with with Xi Jinping, and one with Mr. Modi. And I think they they revealed the complexities of Russian engagement in in Ukraine because in their own ways the message that seemingly was being conveyed to the Russian president was that China and India may not be as antagonistic to the war as perhaps the West is but they are concerned they are concerned about the direction of the war they are concerned about the cost that it is it is imposing on, on the global economy uh, and they are they are not shy of expressing those concerns uh, you know we don't know uh, what uh, Xi Jinping told Mr. Putin but if you if you go back to his remarks, uh, Mr. Putin started by saying that, uh, you know, I understand your concerns, even in the case of Mr. Uh, Xi Jinping. So there is a sense that Chinese 
uh, officials, Chinese president, uh, would have raised this issue, would have, uh, I think, uh, acknowledged uh, that there are growing concerns both in China and beyond about this. And I think that is why uh, Russia, Russia, Russian president was, uh, uh, you know, uh, making an effort to assuage those concerns. So that was quite interesting in its own way. And therefore, China, uh, you know, in, in, in the joint statement with, with the Russian president, uh, did not actually talk of Ukraine war at all. Uh, the focus was all on how U.S. and uh, how Russia and China can work together to create uh, an anti-Western bloc, to create an anti-Western uh, posture, which uh, and to challenge the Western dominance. And I think that was the narrative of the Chinese response. Uh, and and there was no mention of Ukraine. Uh, and clearly, I think what this what this uh, meeting told us was that the famous no limits friendship it certainly has some limits. On the other hand, you had the very, 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 I think, uh, interesting uh, uh, engagement between the Indian prime minister and the Russian president. And, and I think that the very upfront statement by Mr. Modi that, you know, that the era of war uh, has ended, this is not an era of, of, of war, I think underscored again in India the concern that, you know, while um, India may not publicly uh, accuse Russia of being an aggressor, there are concerns in India about the costs, about uh, you know where this war is going, about the way some of the most vulnerable countries are feeling the brunt of this conflict. And therefore, uh, I don't think India was changing its posture. New Delhi has been very consistent from the very beginning, saying that, look, this has to be resolved through dialogue. Uh, both sides will have to come to the negotiating table to find a political resolution. And also the fact, ultimately, that, uh, that uh, you know, you will have UN Charter, international law, uh, that, that should be the marker for, for managing these conflicts. So I think the sense that you got from the prime minister was that India was telling the Russian president to rethink uh, what, what perhaps is happening in Ukraine and the kind of costs it's, it is imposing on the world. So all in all, you know, SCO at one point in time, uh, perhaps Russia would have thought that this is going to be, uh, you know, this 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 uh, great stage where Russian president can showcase to the West, look, it, it has so many friends. But I think what came out of of this of the, of the SCO summit was a reality check that look, even even some of the closest friends of Russia uh, are now talking back to Russia or, or telling Russia that look. You need to change course, that, that the costs are rising by the day. You cannot continuously be engaged in a war that seems to be faltering at some critical point. And I think that's the other point, that Russia's battlefield uh, losses and the successes that Ukraine has gained in its counteroffensive are also doing something very dramatic. It is changing the mood of the world. It is changing the mood in the European street. That, that is facing a, a you know a very difficult winter ahead but it is stiffening up the resolve in, in European capitals it is changing the mood in, in in Moscow where perhaps there are more questions about the about the trajectory of the war and I think there are questions around uh, you know around uh, Russian periphery so we have seen two major conflicts emerge in recent weeks Armenia and Azerbaijan and Kyrgyzstan uh, fighting with Tajikistan on, on on the border. So I think there are questions about Russia's periphery where certain countries are now uh, becoming more concerned about the trajectory of the war or feeling more emboldened by Russian losses. So I think there is a larger chaos even in Central Asia, even in Russian periphery, something that uh, that I think uh, Russian president would have hoped would uh, would not be the case during an SEO summit, but uh, you know I think uh, it, it did not turn out as uh, as he would have expected, and therefore in 
the challenges if seo if any if the if the events at seo are anything to go by i think the challenges are only going to mount going forward so do you think there are greater challenges for russia now and as you say the russian president probably did not expect this outcome and he was hopeful of the seo even though prime minister modi uh, made that statement he was always by walking a very fine line and xi jinping too so these were russian friends but the russian friends also telling them that Uh, this is not okay what kind of pressure does it really build on russia especially now that the ukrainian counter offensive is increasing but there's always also a fear that now that the pressure is mounting on russia uh, how far can it go or is that is there a danger of uh, russia resorting to nuclear weapons and there are concerns in europe in america about this is the pressure is increasing so what really has changed after this seo summit as far as russia's responses are concerned well i think we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait for a while and see what what uh, what russia does on the battlefield now, of course uh, as of now there is no public acknowledgement from russia that they have that they are losing uh, anything you know in fact they are saying it's a tactical retreat it's a strategic retreat in fact uh, they said the same thing when they had to withdraw from kiev earlier when the war started now they are making a same argument that this is again a, a tactical or a strategic retreat whichever way you might want to look at it uh, but i think uh, there are certainly questions about russian strategy going forward and uh, as you point out it also uh, takes us into the domain which no one wants to go where no one wants to go this idea that uh, will uh, will a nuclear response or will a will a will an unconventional response come from russia uh, because uh, you know uh, mr putin has staked a lot of his prestige a lot of his leadership on this war uh, and so uh, what can be the consequences and i think uh, there are dangers here which we need to be uh, aware of so uh, what is i think important uh, is that uh, if you have those countries that are closest to russia like china uh, and in uh, to, to to some degree india also telling russia perhaps it would it would give uh, a reality check to mr putin that look uh, you know even the west is saying it certainly it is tainted it is tainted by this by russia by the west's desire to keep russia down but when china and russia are complaining uh, in, in india are complaining about this war uh, i think it needs a rethink now whether or not he rethinks his entire strategy uh, i am very doubtful but i think certainly there are going to be increasing pressures within the russian system today that were not there before seo Uh, that how do we manage our, our diplomatic engagements how do we manage our uh, diplomatic ties at a time when some of our closest partners are also challenging us on some of the most uh, you know difficult questions that that russia faces today sure and seo of course has brought into scope and there has been a new member iran has been inducted uh, all that has taken place but another very important issue or very important for india was sheikh hasina's visit so uh, very significant for the india bangladesh ties uh, harshan especially uh, when sheikh hasina has been facing a lot of political pressure domestic political pressure she's been called indian india's proxy and all of that but uh, you know we've seen an increasing cooperation in various sectors the relationship between the two countries has improved it has been on the upswing so cooperation in it in trade and commerce space nuclear energy all of that has taken place but uh, you know looking at her visit how significant was it what did both the countries achieve how far has the relationship gone forward in terms of especially when we look at the rohingya crisis mounting when we look at the water sharing the trade and connectivity 
I think, uh, you know, uh, Sheikh Hasina's visit um, um, was an important uh, marker in, in the evolution of, of Delhi Dhaka ties because it tells us something very interesting. It tells us that, look, every time uh, you have a major visit uh, either by an Indian leader or by a Bangladeshi leader to each, you know, to, to their respective countries, it does not mean that there will be dramatic announcements. The, the, the relationship has, has reached a point where uh, it has become normal to have these kind of exchanges, top-level exchanges. Prime Minister Modi was there earlier and now Sheikh Hasina was, uh, was in India. And, and, and there, is a, there is a comfort level between, between the top leadership, between the two political establishments uh, and, uh, and between the two capitals that I think is, uh, is, is quite striking because, you know, Sheikh Hasina could come to India, talk very openly about the challenges. She, she, you know, she, was, she was, of course, talking how wonderful the relationship is, but she also drew, her, uh, drew the attention uh, towards the challenges, whether it is in water, whether it is in connectivity, whether it is in you know the, the geopolitical environment, and she could make it uh, you know seem as if two friends are talking. You know she she was uh, you know she was laying out the agenda for the future, uh, and 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 India was very willing to accept that. India was you know India was giving the message that Bangladesh remains India's most important. Uh, development partner uh, and 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 of course strategic partner in the Bay of Bengal uh, and Sheikh Hasina was telling India that look there are enormous opportunities here that one needs to tap and perhaps if we also try to uh, manage some of our most contentious issues like the water dispute like Tista for example uh, there'll be even more opportunities and I think uh, that comfort level is is very important between two neighbors like India and Bangladesh because for a long time uh, we have been constrained by this by our inability to openly express ourselves uh, you know in, in public platforms but now we have uh, two leaders two leaderships uh, to uh, diplomatic establishments that are, that are quite in sync with each other. And that, I think, bodes well for the future of this relationship. So what Sheikh Hasina's visit did was to underscore how, how uh, what, uh, what kind of an important role Sheikh Hasina and Mr. Modi, uh, both of them have played in the evolution of this relationship in the last few years. And I think uh, as, as the elections come uh, uh, you know, to Bangladesh, uh, and then Sheikh Hasina will be fighting uh, those elections. Uh, it, it would be, uh, I think, uh, uh, th this visit has underscored uh, the new reality in India-Bangladesh ties. And, and, and I think that, is, that was the most important message of, of, the, uh, of the visit. I think the visit itself was the, was the message in some ways. And the fact that she was not only engaging with uh, with the with the government, she was also engaging with the uh, you know by the public in in some ways. She did a lot of public events. Uh, she went out and then met a lot of uh, civil society groups. That also tells you you know the warmth uh, that is often felt in India uh, towards her. Uh, and and that I think uh, also tells you another story about India Bangladesh ties that uh, there might be problems here and there. But larger trajectory of this relationship, both based on the governmental level interactions as well as societal level interactions, uh, is at a very different trajectory today than it was, say, even a few years back. Yes, of course. And uh, before we uh, wrap up this episode of the Ideas Factory, a very quick comment also um, uh, from you, Harsh, on Jay Shankar's visit. Uh, India is looking forward to this visit. Jay Shankar is visiting the U.S. for UNGA and BRICS, and uh, this is very significant for India. Uh, India's uh, India's focus has been uh, on counterterrorism, peacekeeping, and reform, multilateralism. We look forward to this visit. Uh, yes, I think it's a it's an important visit. Uh, uh, 
partly because the multilateral order is, is facing so many problems. And I think the UN itself is facing so many problems. Uh, the polarization is intense. Great power politics is intense. And in that context, when you see uh, what what the agenda is in front of uh, Dr. Jay Shankar, that's quite an expansive agenda, you know, addressing UN General Assembly, of course, but also doing a number of these plurilateral engagements. Yeah. So there is, I think, Quad, there is IPSA, there is BRICS. Uh, you know, then there, there are a number of these trilaterals that, that uh, that he will be part of. Then, of course, he goes on and engages the U.S. bilaterally as well. And I think that tells you the story of our times, that even as countries are gathering for the U.N. General Assembly uh, session, annual session, there also there is also recognition that the failures of U.N. system are engendering are giving rise to these new platforms that are also that are also becoming important. And there is a message there that U.N. has to shape up. Because if, if it does not, then other alternatives are becoming more potent and other alternatives will take on more uh, you know, responsibilities and countries will gravitate to those alternatives. So I think it, it, this, this session comes at a, at a very interesting point and the, 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 the expansive agenda that Dr. Jay Shankar has in front of him also tells you a different story about the way global politics uh, is being structured and particularly multilateral institutions are being uh, altered at this, at this very point. Yes, uh of course, so there are a lot of changes there and a lot of expectation from this visit. As um, we come to the end, a final comment from you on, you know, Britain and the world just paid tribute to uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Britain has witnessed a lot of changes earlier. We, Britain had a new prime minister and just then uh, it also saw the end of uh, 70 years of Queen Elizabeth's rule. What changes does it bring for Britain? How how do we see the passing away of Queen Elizabeth II? I think it's a huge change uh, in, 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 in a fundamental way because a Queen uh, uh, has been a source, uh, has been a constant for Britain uh, for the last 70 years. You know, world changed, Britain changed, Brit Britain's socio-political architecture changed, uh, leaderships, uh, you know, it, it, it came and went, political leaderships. But Queen remained at one source of constants, uh, you know, with, with, with great uh, grace and humility and in a, in, a, in a personal touch. She managed to, uh, to preserve the architecture of the constitutional monarchy in Britain. And I think the challenge now going forward would be that as the personality will change, as, as new king has taken charge now, King Charles III, uh, the questions uh, you know, that, that would come up would be whether this can sustain itself, whether monarchy can sustain itself. It's in any case seen as a very quaint institution by a number of groups, even in Britain. And there is a lot of resistance to it, uh, from, especially from certain generations, younger generation in particular, uh, and in certain parts of Britain itself. So how will, how will the new king uh, manage the role that the queen that her that his mother uh, performed uh, so remarkably and i think that's the loss that britain is feel, uh, feeling today uh, more than uh, you know anything else that, that that she had held britain together through thick and thin through the to the tumultuous uh, 20, 20, 20th and 21st century this and enormous uh, challenges that monarchy itself uh, faced you uh, know princess diana episode or some recent episodes where uh, you know certain members of the royal family uh, you know uh, were, were targeted uh, but 
ultimately it was the queen that represented mon monarchy for for a large part of britain and they looked at her uh, they adored her they loved her so i think the going forward with the same kind of respect and adoration uh, prince the, the new king charles would be able to command on that would depend the future of british monarchy and i think that's a profound issue uh, in front of britain that is already grappling with a number of other challenges at this at this point of course there were always debates whether the monarchy can sustain and now the big question after the passing away of the queen will monarchy sustain and what will change so thank you so much for this uh, analysis harsh and that's it from us on this episode of the ideas factory thank you for watching thank you for tuning in to policy pod the orf podcast please subscribe to our channel for updates on upcoming episodes